God is good, amen? Hallelujah. You excited to be in church tonight? You know, I was telling my wife on the way down here, we, we've been kind of taking a, a slightly different way down, and me, not, at least part of the way we come, and it's really only a few miles worth, but, you know, I don't know what it is about it, but it just blesses me, and I was telling her, you know, I really, really got to the place where, where this, this drive is really, uh, the drive to come down here is really a blessing to me, you know, the things that we get to see and stuff like that, and you know, I think uh, it, it's, it's important to do this, you know, as we, there's so often, there's so many things that we can look at in our lives and not be happy with, and certainly I, I do that as well. But I find that when I start focusing on the things that, that do bless me, even those little moments here and there, and you find them really, you find these moments just here and there where God will just, you know, open favor to you, open a door for you to walk through, and there'll just be something there that'll bless you, you know. Uh, and, and, and it's just one of those things, right? We all have those things, but as you you look to those as you start embracing those things it makes it a lot easier to feel more blessed uh, even in the midst of trial because you see you know the things that God has provided for us and what a wonderful thing you know we could uh, you know if we never came to Cory Pennsylvania some of the things that to, to start a church some of the things that we get to experience we would have never experienced amen some of the faces that are here of course we would have never known had we not come down here and, and quite honestly I'm, I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for these the different places that uh, God brings us and the different things that he shows us. Amen? But God's, God's got a plan for us, and we have to understand that. We should desire, uh, as, as, as good Christians, as good children of God, we should desire to get into that plan and fulfill that plan. Because the plan is blessed. You know, there's sometimes there's people that, um, just a little bit, maybe a little bit off there, it seemed anyways. Uh, maybe the chairs moved, I don't know, but... Uh, you know, people get distracted so much by this life and they, 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 they don't realize all the wonderful things that God has for them, you know. And the Bible does tell us, of course, that he has a plan. You know, we, we're, I was thinking when, uh, when my wife was reading or when the congregation was reading Malachi 3.10, you know, about uh, offerings and stuff like that and giving. And, it, you know, there's that part in there where it says that, uh, you know, after he says test there's that part that says that he will open up the windows of heaven. He'll pour out the windows of heaven. Uh, pour out through the windows of heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I just, you know, I see scriptures like that and I just can't help but think, you know, like that, that that's who our God is. I mean, if that was our God then, it certainly has got to be our God now, right? In fact, if you go through a few scriptures before that, I think it's in Malachi 3, 6, it says that, he says, I am the Lord, I do not change, right? And so we know that about God, he's not changing. His, his heart for us is still the same, uh, but we, we, we're walking more fully in it. In fact, actually, if we understood what God really has for us in this newer covenant, uh, the covenant that we know, the only one we can know, we don't know the old covenant, we can only see it as we read the Old Testament. But as we look at the Old Covenant and understand what the New Covenant is, we realize that the New Covenant is based on uh, better promises. Amen? It's a better covenant based on better promises. And, and I'm thankful for that. And, you know, it, it does tell us that, you know, there was uh, all those fathers, uh, the, our forefathers in the faith that came way before us, before Jesus came. You know, they looked for this time. They looked for the blessing that we get to walk in now. And they looked for it eagerly. They anticipated it. And many of, of course, all of them, they didn't get to walk in it. Uh, that, because it was, it was being reserved for a specific time. And we get to walk in that. Yeah. 
And how sad is it that just so many Christians don't walk in the covenant, really walk in the covenant? I mean, there's a difference between being a Christian and walking in the covenant. Amen? You can be a Christian. There's a lot. I was a Christian for many, many years. In fact, most of my life, I was a Christian. I could say that I believed in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, and uh, you know, I, I knew God was the Father. And I believed that Jesus died for my sins. And so I, I had an understanding of something about faith. And I'd say it doesn't take much more than that to make you a Christian, right? And so I, I could be considered a Christian. But for many, many, many years, I didn't walk in covenant. I didn't walk in the covenant, amen? And, and, and walking in the covenant is so much better than just being a Christian. Being a Christian is wonderful. We get excited, and we should get excited about that. But walking in the covenant, that's where the good stuff is, amen? You know, I think about this with marriage all the time. You know, my wife and I are, of course, in covenant, and that covenant is precious to God, and it's, uh, and, and it's something that God honors. But, you know, there's certain things that are afforded to us in that covenant. There's certain blessings that God has afforded to us only in that covenant covenant and I get so excited about that I get so when I when I think about that but even more so with our covenant with him that is a covenant our marriage covenant is just a reflection of the covenant that he has for us between us and him amen and so there's a lot of good things for us there and so we should hunger and thirst for that continually you know there's uh you know the devil will try to get different uh things on you different thoughts come to you during the week but if we keep our minds right we keep ourselves straight glory to God we will walk in that covenant and we will be blessed in the land of the living. Amen. Well, that's just my introduction. Glory to God. I wasn't planning any of that, but it's, it, it's, uh, it was there for us anyway, so it's free, no charge. Glory to God. Uh, but God does, we do have a message for it. Uh, I do have a message for you, and I believe it was from God. Hallelujah. You judge it, but uh, I do believe that it's uh, something that God has for us for this time. And it's kind of interesting because you know, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, the Lord can give me a message and I can have kind of an awareness that that, that that specific message is needed for specific things. And a lot of times uh, the messages come like that. In fact, I would say a good majority of messages, I, I may know certain things about certain people, not in the, I'm saying naturally, necessarily, because I don't plan messages based on what you're going through or what you like or dislike or how you've treated me or treated anyone else. I don't plan messages that way. But, but a lot of times I do know that there's need for something because I'm, I'm a shepherd, and shepherds are supposed to know what the sheep need to eat. Amen? And so I seek the Lord on those things, and he shows me. But this is one of those messages that I, I, I'm not fully sure why he's having me preach it, but he is. Glory to God. And, and I'm thankful for that. Praise the Lord. Today's message is called Matters of Church and Home. Hallelujah. And we're going to be talking about matters of the church and home, but we're going to also see, and I want you to understand this before we get into it, that uh, the, the, the church and the home, there's very much, there's, there's a reflection of both in each other, right? They, you know, the home should reflect the church and the church should reflect the home. You know, uh, if you just think about this, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, and so we're a body of believers, and this is the household of God. You know, if you go over there and study, uh, if you read in John 14, 1, and especially the first half of that chapter, you know, God has a lot to say about houses, uh, you know, households and stuff like that. You know, he says, in my house, there are many mansions or in the, in the father's house, there are many mansions. That's a, a scripture that we commonly uh, have heard. And, and a lot of times people talk about that in reference of just when we go over to heaven and they think, okay, there's mansion for me in heaven. But that's not fully what that scripture is about. I'm not saying that there couldn't be mansions or places to live in heaven. I think that it all applies. But really that that has a, 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 a all in context that those scriptures are talking about in God's household. 
If you look up that word house, when it says, my father's house are many mansions, uh, really what it means is in his household, amen? And so there's a household of faith, and we know that those terms are used so often uh, throughout Scripture. And, and, and there's reasons, good reasons for it. You know, we, if we read over there in Ephesians, you get into chapter 5 and we read about different things there, but it gets into comparing the church towards the end of the chapter. It gets into comparing the church and specifically a, a marriage relationship. Amen. And, and so we see this reflection there a lot. But, uh, you know, the things that apply for the house apply for the, or to the church. And a lot of times the things that apply to the church apply to a household as well. And, uh, you know, it wasn't by accident that the Lord did this. He wasn't surprised when we drew these conclusions. But he planned it to be this way. And the reason he planned it to be this way is because we could always have something to measure our relationships by. We always have something to measure our household by. We can measure our households by, by, each, uh, by each of those things. And, you know, because if we'll act right in a marriage, we'll act right and, and then we'll learn how to, we can learn how to act right in church. And if we act right in church, then we learn how to act right in a marriage. And so it goes back and forth. Amen. Uh, and, and it's an exciting thing for a, a pastor to be able to preach on these things because, because uh, you know, there is put it at the head of the church. Not obviously, I'm not the ultimate head. Jesus is the head. But I'm what the Bible calls an under-shepherd, amen? Uh, and, you know, in the Bible, and that's, that's the way that the Lord set it up. He would have under-shepherds under the main shepherd, which is Jesus. But it, it, it's to lead God's family into, a certain, into certain things. Now, that doesn't mean to lead everything for your life, but to lead you into truth and to feed you with the word. Glory to God. And, and that's what my heart is as a pastor. I can judge things just based, uh, based on the fact that I understand things about the word, amen? And, and my heart as a pastor is to do what the heart of God is and that's to help people understand how to judge things in life according to the word. But see, if we have a twisted view of the word, then we don't, uh, we won't see all that. If we have a twisted view of the church, we won't see that. But see, it's the church that's the thing that's one of the, uh, the church and families that are the two things that are, are, are some, are the most uh, attacked things in the world today. You know, if you think about COVID, it was just a, a few years ago now. We're kind of, uh, you know, on the other side of the, the, the hysterical uh, aspect of, uh, of, of that pandemic. And, and we, we, of course, we've been living back in freedom again, and, and it feels good to do so. But really, that was a revealer of a lot of things. But when you, when you look at what one of the main things that it did is it tried to separate people from the local church. Now, directly or indirectly, we don't need to argue that because it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is it did what it did. Because there was a lot of churches that closed down. There's a lot of people that stopped going church and never came back. In fact, we had people that stopped coming to church in that time period and have never been back. And you ask yourself, why is that? And, and it's because some of the things... They, they didn't have solidified in them. The importance of the local church is, 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 is an understatement, or to say that the local church is important is an understatement in the life of the believer. We can't walk in the plan of God without the local church, without the local assembly. And what I'm talking about is not necessarily this one specifically, but any church. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so I asked the Lord to help me to minister this message, and of course he has, because I've said all this stuff that I've said so far and gotten uh, you know, a good uh, few minutes into this service already and haven't even gotten to the notes yet. So praise the Lord for it. Let's go ahead and turn over there to Matthew 12, 25. Amen. Matthew 12, 25. <clears throat> and we're going to, and again, I want you to keep this in mind. Uh, you can think 
as you can think as we as I minister this message, as I go back and forth, you can think this applies to the church and this applies to home. This applies to my relationships. This applies to really our, our, our relationships with people. Amen. And so uh, Matthew twelve twenty five. Praise God. And this is when Jesus, you know, uh, Jesus was correcting the, the Pharisees. They were accusing him of, of doing the works that he was doing, casting out the devil by the devil. Amen. Uh, but uh, Jesus said something really interesting here, and that's what I want to focus on in verse 25. He said, And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. Notice it says any. It doesn't say some, it doesn't say a few, it doesn't say one here or one there, it says any. Jesus was talking about any kingdom, and this is, a, this is an absolute truth, anything that is divided against itself will not stand. Amen? Uh, if you start tearing out the foundation underneath your house, your house will not stand, it will collapse. In fact, that's, uh, we, had, we had that issue in our own old house. We had, when we bought it, we bought a house with a compromised foundation. And it caused a lot of problems over the years. Amen? Yeah. And spent many years getting that uh, fixed. And so the, the tenant that lives there, or not tenant, the, the, the homeowner that lives there now is blessed with a foundation that holds up the house. And that's because we spent so much time dealing with it. Amen. But the, you, you know, there's a truth to this that, that, that is undeniable. And I can't uh, 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 stress enough the importance of really understanding how these things apply in the church and how they apply at home. And so if you understand that, if you understand that you are part of the, the peace, you are a building block in either one of these things, in, in relationships, in friendships, uh, in the body of Christ at large, in the body of Christ at small, no matter how you look at it, you are a piece in that puzzle. And if you are divided against the other pieces, yeah. it's going to affect the outcome. Now, um, will we affect the body of Christ? Now, the Bible tells us, that the, you know, that Jesus said that on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So ultimately, God is going to have his way. He's going to, the church is going to break through. The church is going to win. But I'm going to be honest with you, and you need to know this, that not all parts of the church are necessarily going to go through. Not all parts of the church are going to be victorious. Some of the parts of the church are going to fall off and decay. And the reason that that's going to happen is because they don't stay connected or they divide themselves. And as a, a body of believers, we have to understand this is incredibly important, both in our home and in the church. In our home and in the church, husbands and wives, if you are divided against one another, your house will collapse. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are divided against one another, this house will collapse. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's just the truth. And so we have to understand we are not in this thing to be divided. We are not in this thing to be against each other. We are in this to accomplish the will and the plan of God. And if you do the same thing, if you look at your marriages the same way, if you look at your household the same way, kids, think about this when you think about your parents. You can be, you can be mad at them, you can rebel against them, and many kids choose to do that. I chose to do that when I was younger. But that isn't going to build up the house, which you are part of. And so that's what we have to understand. If we are members of a local body, and we need to be, so, you know, if we're not going to be members of this one, we need to be of someone. So regardless, whatever issues that we have, we're going to have to get worked out at some point. 
Do you, I don't know if you've learned this yet. If you're a little bit older, you probably have. If you're a little bit younger, you probably still need to learn it. But if you haven't learned that whatever issues you have here, you're probably going to have somewhere else. Yeah. Whatever here is, whether it's a church, whether it's home, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, whatever it's going to be. Whatever issues you have typically are going to follow you. And that's because most of the issues that affect us are internalized some way. Most of the issues that affect us are working on the inside of us. That's why they're an issue. Have you ever noticed that something that bothers you just doesn't bother somebody else? Sometimes we look at our spouse and like, why aren't you bothered by this? You need to be more bothered by this. Have you ever done that? Amen. I know we probably all have. If you're married for more than 10 minutes, you certainly have. Glory to God. And so, you know, sometimes some people just aren't bothered by something. What does that mean? It means that the issue isn't as much out there as it is in here. And so you need to learn how to first deal with it in here, because if you don't deal with the issue in here, what happens is you are divided against yourself. There's things you want to accomplish, but there's things you won't accomplish because your division won't allow you to do it. And and it branches off and it goes from there. A lot of times the issues that we have in church are not issues really with other people. They're issues that we have with other people. Amen? Because the truth of the matter is, is if you just don't have issues with another person, you will never have issues with another person. They may have issues with you, but then that's their issue. Glory to God, if you just refuse to have issues. Now I know what you're sitting there thinking is, well, Pastor Jeff, that is a lot easier said than it is accomplished. And I will say to you, you're right, because I go through the same thing. But just because it's not easy to accomplish necessarily doesn't mean it's not something we have to work on. In fact, if we would devote ourselves to work on us and these issues that we have, so many times we would find ourselves in a place of peace. We would find ourselves partaking of the things that God has set aside for us. Let's not be divided against ourselves. Let's not be divided against each other. Let's realize that God has placed each of us in the body as he saw fit. He has a place for us to partake of what he has for us. And if you will approach life that way, you're going to live life in a lot happier. Amen? One of the number one hindrances in a Christian life is not recognizing the need for differences. Praise the Lord. One of the number one hindrances, one of them, I have a lot of number one hindrances. I have a lot of number one problems, but one of them, glory to God, is, uh, is not recognizing the need for differences. You look at somebody else's difference and it annoys you. I look at other, different, other people's differences and they annoy me. And why do they annoy you? Why do they annoy me? Because they're different. It's different than who you are or what you see or what you want. And that's why it bothers you, because it's different, right? But, you, but we have to understand that God has created us with differences. Now, that doesn't mean that God has created us sinful. He hasn't created us uh, to, 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 to use the bad aspects of our personalities. Uh, you know, he hasn't created us to do that. But certainly all personalities are created by God, which means that there is a good aspect of all of our personalities, And when we realize that the personalities that we don't like often are personalities that we need, we'll actually get to a place of living more in harmony the way God intended us to be. Because God didn't give one person everything. And aren't you glad? How annoying would that be? 
right? Because you know what it's like. Because the first thing that you do when you find somebody that's full of themselves, the first thing you do is find an area where they're, they're weak. You find an area where they feel fail, and then you want to highlight that area. And why do you want to do it? Because you want to be able to say to them, you may think you're so perfect, but there's this, right? Now, all of us love that, but how annoying would it be if everybody, one person had everything? It would just, it would be, it would just be a, 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 a incredibly annoying, praise the Lord. So with that, and so we don't want to be that annoyed, right? We don't want that annoyance. So we have to understand that the differences are different for a purpose. Glory to God. Now, the purpose isn't always good. I'm not blaming everything that you do dumb on God. Amen? I'm not blaming everything I do dumb on God. I'm not saying that every, every harebrained idea I had is God. But my heart is to want to put, get all my ideas in line with the will of God, and that should be yours as well, right? Praise the Lord. We must be careful as, uh, as a body of believers, as a husband and wife, as fathers and mothers, as children, as whatever we are, we must be careful not to allow our differences to cause division. Yeah. And this is the number one thing that we, we need to get out of this message, is understanding that our differences, if we don't look at them right, can cause division. God has, has intended our differences to magnify one another, not to detract from one another. And I believe that we're going to see that as we, as we, um, as, as we go through this message. Now, I want to ask you, if you're, if you're a parent, especially if you're a parent of more than one child, you can probably confidently say that your children are, um, are, are much different. Yeah. There's different things about them, right? But you still love them greatly because of that. In fact, I love when I, I've gone to Pastor Michael about certain things, and, and, uh, different things at different times, and, and he has this, 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 uh, this question that he's often asked me. He says, Pastor Jeff, do you have kids? And I said, yes. And he, of course, he knows I have kids. He says, do you have kids? And I said, yes. And he says, and I always know where he's going with it, but I always smile because he's proving a point, and it's always a valid point. He says, uh, do all your kids act the same? And I say, no, Pastor, they don't act the same. They all act differently. He said, but do you love them all? And I said, mostly. <laughs> Glory to God. No, I, I do. I love, all, I, I love my kids all the same. Glory to God. Um, and, and regardless of how different they are or what the different things, I love them all intensely. Amen? And uh, that's the way the Heavenly Father looks at us. We have to see when he looks down, he sees, the little, he sees the little quirks, the little oddities that are in us. And I believe he gets a kick out of it. Now, again, I'm not talking about sinful things and stuff like that. God's not getting a kick out of our sin. But there, because it is our sin that separated us from him. But he's looking at our oddities. He's looking at the way we view things, the way we, we get intense about certain things. Sometimes, you know, there are certain uh, aspects of our personality you point to. You, oh, that's, that's Jeff there. That's, you know, that's Renee. That's Mark. That's, you know, Allison. That's whoever. You know what I mean? That's they, they just, yeah, I can see that's them. Praise the Lord. And you, you, sometimes you get a chuckle out of it. And God, I believe does the same thing but we have to be careful because it is up to us whether or not we allow these things to cause issues in our lives turn with me to Ephesians praise the Lord Rem remembering that anything that is divided against itself will not stand we have a choice to make now we're going to Ephesians and, and 
it's slightly, the, the place we're going, it's the scriptures we know, we've been to many times, but there's a purpose that, uh, specifically that I want you to see in this. Amen? Um, something I want you to see in this really good, actually. This is talking about the gifts in the body, of course. Ephesians 4, uh, the gifts meaning the, the, uh, what we com- commonly call, most people call the five-fold ministry. I think you can see it as four-fold, but that's my personal belief. I'm not saying that to be divisive. I'm saying that just because it's the way I see it. If you see it otherwise, praise the Lord for it. I don't think it's going to keep either of us out of heaven. Amen? <laughs> praise God. And it certainly isn't going to change a whole lot of anything. But it will. Uh, it is what it is. And so as we look at it here, as we're talking about the gifts of the body uh, uh, being those offices, the ministry offices specifically. Ephesians 4 uh, and verses 11 and 12. And it says here, And he gave some as apostles. Did he give all as apostles? He gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Glory to God. And that's why I think it's fourfold, because of that. But that's, again, that's, that's free, no charge. Amen? Uh, uh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of, the, uh, of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. And so first we see the what, and then we see the why. We see what, what we've got, and then we see why we've got it. But notice this, that the, 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 the important part of these scriptures to really get is what are these offices for? What, it's not how many offices there is. I don't think that matters. But what are those offices for do matter. And it tells us that in verse 12. It says, he gave, he gave these gifts that he called for the, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So the, the work of service that should come out of the saints, which is all the believers, everybody who is not uh, who goes to church, right? Uh, the, the, the purpose of these offices is for equipping them for the work of the ministry to build the body of Christ. So God wants to build his body. Does anyone have an issue with that? That's, that's, that's pretty obvious there, right? But I think what's interesting here is he said he gave some as this, some as that, some as this. But all of these things have the same purpose. Now, if they're different in their description, then they have to be different in their action. Am I wrong? I mean, if, if something is different, in, you, you know, if, you, if, you're describing, uh, if you're describing a vehicle, my wife and I do this often, she'll say, she'll say something about the car, and I say, my, I don't drive a car, I drive a truck. She's like, you know what I was talking about. She was talking about a vehicle. That's just one of those things. I, I, I say it as kind of a joke, and then I turn around and end up saying it too. But, uh, you, you know, but there's a descriptive. But in a generalized way, you could say car, and you understand it's a vehicle of some sort. But then there's a, there's, we understand that there's a lot of difference between a pickup truck and, and a little uh, hatchback um, hybrid, right? Yeah. There's a huge difference between the two. My brother drives a, what is it? It's a one-ton uh, Dodge pickup truck, right? I was just talking to him about it yesterday. That's why I thought about it. Since I'm talking about cars, glory to God. Uh, but he drives a one-ton Dodge, uh, Dodge pickup truck. And this is a, a pretty heavy-duty truck. It can carry at least a ton, I think. I think that's the way it works. But if not, uh, it makes sense to me, so for the sake. But we know this, that even if it can't quite carry a ton, it certainly can carry a lot more than a Ford Festiva hatchback, right? <laughs> 
If you don't know what that is, I don't think they even make them anymore, but it's like a Ford Escort, you know, something small, just a real tiny uh, gas guzzler, uh, you know, that, or non-gas guzzler, I mean, give good, good gas mileage, but you're not going to carry much with it. You're not going to take it uh, to Home Depot when you have to pick up plywood, right? And so, uh, you know, there's a, there's, we understand that there's a difference in the descriptions and those dis or, or in the actions of, of what those things are. And it's important to understand that for when you have need of walking those things out, when you have need of that particular gifting. And so, but we understand this, that God gave some as such and some as such, but not any as all. And he did that on purpose. He did that because there's different needs in the body. There's different needs in different bodies. One of the things that I've noticed as a pastor, I pastor two different churches. And although I'm the same pastor, the needs in each church are very different. The needs of the people in each church are very different. The things I deal with for each church is very different. Why is that? Because there's different people. There's different towns. Shoot, there's different states. And in all of these things, there's differences. In fact, that was a little bit of the, the fun navigating that we got to do during COVID when all the stuff was happening because we didn't just have to figure out one state's rules. We had to figure out two states' rules. And then we had to figure out how we were going to listen or not listen to each of them. Amen. And, and, and so uh, in all that, you know, there, there, there's a lot, of, a, a lot of figure, but there's different needs. And just as different uh, households have different needs, different households here look differently. You know, in both churches, we have households that, uh, where, where, where the parents are raising kids, and then we have households where the grandparents are raising kids. In both of those, there's different needs. Uh, there's, there's different things that are required. There's difference, uh, uh, differences in how those households are going to run. There's differences in knowledges of, in, in the, how those households are going to run. And so there's all these things. But I bring these up to, for us to understand that in the body of Christ, God could have made it single, singular, but he didn't do that. He made multiple gifts to do multiple things for multiple people in multiple places to accomplish multiple goals. Praise the Lord. The end goal being the same, getting us all into heaven. Amen? But the paths to get there, when I say the paths to get there are very, I don't mean in the path through Jesus. Jesus is the only way into heaven. But the path to Jesus in the sense of, you know, we're going to meet Jesus on different paths is what I'm saying. And so all of us have come to Christ. We've all come here today, but we came from different places to get here. And we need to understand that in those differences, there's going to be a lot of things that, 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 that uh, uh, magnify those differences. But just because there's different differences doesn't mean they're wrong. And we need to be very clear about that. We need to understand that we have been brought together to work for a common goal. And so there will be things we do in our own lives. You know, certainly I don't know what you do Monday through uh, or Sunday through uh, 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 Friday for the most part. I only know what most of you do on Saturday or, or most of the ones from this area on Saturday night if you're here. Um, but uh, there, there's, there's a life that we live, uh, that we lead and the things that we do, but we still come together and that coming together has purpose. Amen? And so what we have to understand is that our, our ultimate purpose is what's most important. And that ultimate purpose is where, where God, it's all founded where God connects us, who he connects us to, praise the Lord, and where he's connected, uh, where he's connected is as far as the, the locality. There's different needs here. There's different, we, we've seen that. 
you know, there's, uh, you know, we, we, we have people in the church, and of course, you, know, you all know what I'm talking about, but for the sake of anybody who's online, it doesn't necessarily matter. But we have people in the church that do ministry things in other places. But in a sense, they're an extension of what we all do as we come together, uh, because we come together in the same place. And so even though that one labors for this and one labors for that, Hallelujah. You're still part, like you, you all partake of, of my ministry, even though that my ministry isn't just here. My ministry is also so elsewhere. I do other things other places, and you all partake of that as you, uh, as you partake of, uh, you know, our lives. And my wife and I uh, is what I'm speaking of. And so you, you see that nothing is completely separated but there are differences. There's difference in actions, difference, differences in things. And we need to embrace those differences, not be people that, that, that get moved or bothered by those. The most important thing is, is we need to see them as things that can come together and be a blessing together. That we're not divided. That the things we do, even though they may be very different, maybe they're not even fully connected at all. But that doesn't mean that our hearts aren't tied together. And that, you know, um, it's interesting. I think when Jesus sent out the, the disciples, you know, he sent out the 70. He sent them out into different places, the places where he himself was going to go. But when he sent them out, they all went different places. They went different directions. But then they all came back together and said, Lord, this is what we did. This is what happened. And this is what we saw. And you see very much, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. See, we come together to get trained, to get equipped, to get things imparted into us, to come together to have kind of a purpose, a, a launching pad, so to speak, for the things that God wants to do in our lives. And then we go from here and go out into the world and do the things that we do, the things we do throughout the week. I don't need to walk in your shoes all week long because I have my own shoes to walk in. And you don't need to walk in mine all week long. Praise the Lord. But we should have care for one another. We're going to see all this. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, I want to show you something here. In Proverbs 6, 16, uh, this is, because this is very important for us. We're going to read 16 and we're going to skip down to 19. We're going to skip the six things. We're going to get to the seventh thing that God hates. But it says here, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Now, literally, when it, what abomination to God literally means, it means that these things are disgusting to his soul. Amen. His soul being his mind, his intellect, his emotions, the things that they're just like our soul. You know, our soul is not just, uh, our, our soul is different than our spirit. Our soul, as the Bible typically talks about it, is, is the, the thinking part of us, the part that relates to, to uh, you know, humanity. And, and, and to a degree, you know, when you read the word, your, your soul is activated. Of course, our spirit gets involved in these things and our spirit and our soul do work together. But the spirit and the soul are two separate things. Our soul, but this is talking about God's soul. And so it's talking about his, uh, his way of thinking. And so when it says here, it says that uh, these, there are seven things which are an abomination to him. Or there are some, uh, seven things that are disgusting to his thoughts. Things that when he thinks about it, they disgust him. Now listen. If we're going to follow God, we should have a pretty good understanding of what disgusts him. Because if we don't understand what disgusts him, then we won't know how to please him. Amen? And we know that over there in Hebrews eleven six, 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. But we have to understand that pleasing him is where our connection with him really is. And so that's what we want to do. Amen? 
But we're going to, you can go read those later. We're going to skip down to verse 19 for the sake of this message and just look at one of the, 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 one of the things that discuss him. It says in verse 19, a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. So this literally discuss God. Praise the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How can you ever bless God if you embrace something that disgusts him? How can you ever be a blessing to God? Think about this. I mean, just from the standpoint, like if you need reason to get yourself right, right here is a really good reason. Just think this thought. If I know that this disgusts God, if this is disgusting, I mean, have you ever had somebody say to you, and disgusting, is a dis that's a pretty intense word, isn't it? In our language, it's one that we, 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 we really understand. To understand an old way, you'd say abomination, but to understand it our way, you could say disgusting. If somebody says to you, they look at you and they say with contempt, they look at you, they scornfully look at you and they say, you disgust me. That's not something anybody has ever liked to hear. That's not something that bless you. Now, when you think of these things, that's what they do to God. Yeah. It goes up to him, and he looks at it, and he says, that disgusts me. Yeah. Now, if we can think of that, it's going to help us get some stuff right real quick. Amen? When we look at the Lord and we think, Lord, I want to please you. I want... So you get down on your knees and pray, or you stand and pray, or you just get, to, get into prayer. For whatever reason, you want to pray, right? Because you're a Christian, you probably should want to pray once in a while, right? That should be a part of a Christian's life, if you didn't know it. Uh, we should speak to God once in a while. But how about getting before God and going, okay, I want to pray, or maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I need this answer. I need this thing fixed. I need this thing. I need help here. We need this to change. Glory to God. And if you don't have something in your life that you need God to help you change, then just come on over and help me because I got lots of things. Amen? In fact, some things I just leave behind because I figure, well, if we get something worked out, that's better than nothing. Glory to God. But, uh, but, but you know, there, there, there's something that we're going to go before God. But how about going before God and saying, Lord, I really want you to help me on this. And having him look at you and say, you disgust me. The thing that you do. And that's literally what this is. Someone who causes strife in the brethren is disgusting to God. We have this phrase in my household that we have used many times over the years. Stop bickering. There's nothing worse than bickering. And we all partake of it. Every one of us, my wife and I have included. Amen. Um, praise the Lord, because bickering really can't happen unless two people are doing it. At least two people. You can have multiple people doing it. But we hate it. And sometimes you just get fed up with it. Why? Because it's, it's strife. Strife is no bueno. It's no good. Amen. We don't like strife. Strife is not a blessing to anybody. In fact, one of the things that people have often commented about our house is that they, they, enjoy our, they enjoy coming to our house because there's peace there. And there's peace there because we don't like strife. We like to get rid of strife. We don't like to have strife in our midst. In fact, we look at, that's, one of, that's the, the only thing that I don't like about holidays is when there's strife. Because strife is one of those things that just always sets, it sets wrong. It's like, you know, it's, if nothing else, if strife, even if strife isn't major, strife is like that when you've eaten something just slightly off. You know what I mean? And you feel like, man, I could probably puke. 
but uh, I'm not quite there yet. But you know, you know how that feeling, you just kind of get to the place where you're just like, I wish I would, because I just don't like that feeling. And that's exactly what strife does. And that's exactly how God sees it. It's disgusting to him. And so people who cause strife with one another, he's like, listen, I've brought you together to do great things. Stop being divided against each other. You, you have a plan and a purpose. You know, some people do this, like, why does so-and-so get used for this and why don't I? Who cares? That's strife. God, that's disgusting to God. You want God to, to be, a, you want God to look at you uh, with, 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 with thought, good thoughts and, and wanting to bless you? Just be somebody who goes, for God, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Whatever it is. And I won't fret about what you don't want me to do. You know what I mean? Just be okay with it. Let's just not, not have strife be a thing. Amen? Praise the Lord. Ultimately, if we realize that the goal is the same between us, that we want to be pleasing to the Lord, then it's easy to get over our differences. And that's really what it should be. There's so many people in the body of Christ, if you get on YouTube, you can find all kinds of opposition against, you know, this Christian talking about this kind of Christian and this pastor talking about this kind of pastor. And to be quite honest with you, I think it's ridiculous. I think there's great, it's great to have discussions about our theologi theological differences. I can sit down with anybody and talk about our theological differences and have no issue with that. I don't have to hate them. You don't have to hate each other to have that. But when, when people start doing that, you can know. It doesn't matter if they think they're in the right. If they're causing strife, they're automatically disgusting in the eyes of God, in the nostrils of God. If it causes strife, it's automatically disgusting. So you have to get over causing strife, not be one that causes strife. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we don't want to be disgusting God. And the reason is, is because God says this. He's like, I haven't equipped anybody with everything. I haven't given any. You know, I, I'm the pastor of two churches, and I haven't even got enough to barely do what, I've done, what I do. Actually, a lot of times I feel like I don't have enough. In me, I don't. Do you know in myself, I don't have enough to pastor one church, let alone two. I don't have enough in me. I remember the day that I realized I don't have enough in me to, to be a father. Not to be a good father. I don't have it in me to be a good father or a good husband. My wife loves me. Loves me. My kids love me. Right? You all love me? You still love me? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you all, you all love me. Uh, praise the Lord. They love me. But I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect husband. And sometimes I look at that and I say, are you sure? Why, why would you love me? Why, why would you want to be with me? Because I know my stuff and you know your stuff. Right? But see, the thing is, is God equips us to be able to do what we need to do. And whatever we're called to be, we're never enough. We never were enough. We never were going to be enough. And if you keep trying to be enough, you're never going to get to that point. You're just going to be more aware of your failure. God doesn't need us to be enough. He needs us to be what he needs us to be. Amen? He needs us to focus on the things he needs us. Well, yeah, as a pastor, I was going before the Lord, and I was like, Lord, I, there's so much that I got to teach these people, and I just, I, I need to get more in me, and I just don't, I can't do it myself. And he, you know what the Lord showed me? He's like, teach them what, what, teach them what you know. Do your due diligence to study. Do your due diligence to be full of the Spirit. And then teach them what they know. Follow my Spirit. I'll lead you into that. You know, the Bible tells us that, to follow his Spirit. We should, need, we, we, we should be able to trust that. Amen? Praise the Lord. He has purpose in the fact that we're not enough, any one of us, in of ourselves. 
And if we're not enough, it means none of us has enough to do whatever it is we're called to do. But each of us brings a part and God puts them to, those parts together and makes something very useful out of it. My wife and I, we, we have our stuff. Sometimes we're like, maybe, you know, when we're talking about issues, we're like, maybe it's us, right? Yeah. But God uses us anyway, so why? Because we bring the parts together to make, uh, you, you know, to do what God has called us to do. And that's why our marriage, that's the only reason our marriage is any different than anyone else. It's not, we haven't been gifted with some amazing powers of, of, of marriage. We haven't been gifted with that. Praise the Lord. But what we do is we just continually try to submit ourselves to that because we want peace. We don't want strife between us. And that's what we do when it comes to our kids, when we settle things between our kids. Sometimes, do you know this? Have you ever, have you ever, uh, have you ever had an issue brought to you? If you've never been a leader, then you don't fully know the, 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 the exciting aspect of this. And I say that with, because this is the, the one part that I, this is probably the one part of pastoring that I absolutely despise. When people bring you issues. That's what I don't like. Now, when I say that, the reason I'm saying that is not because I don't want people to bring stuff before me. But what I'm saying is it's because a lot of times issues are, are, are in, in some round. You can't, you, can't just, you can't always just know what to do. And the reason you can't always know what to do is because you don't always have all the facts. Haven't you ever had a situation happen where you thought for sure that you were in the right and someone else insisted that they were in the right? Now imagine bringing, somebody bringing that to you and saying, you work it out, right? Because that's what it is, and that's, that's what I'm talking about with the issues. I'm not saying when people bring you, you know, if people, I want to help people. That's why I do what I do. I love helping people. That's, that's, that's my, uh, my, my number one desire in life is to be a blessing and to help people. But I'm talking about issues. You know what I'm talking about? Issues that are real issues, like issues that, like, you know, two people see differently and they bring them to you and they want, want you to mediate between them. And the, the, the Bible gives us, this is why I know I can work out any marriage real easily if people will listen, because I know what the answer is. The answer is, you just submit to one another, yeah. and there's your fix. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You eliminate strife. That's the issue. And that's a, a lot of times, that's what pastoring is when you, when you have issues. It's not even that you agree with one thing or agree with another. It's that you just are going to eliminate the strife. Yeah. Listen, if two people who are at odds with one another will look at each other right, then the issues disappear. It's that simple. And so if you look at me and you say, I have issues with my pastor because of, no, if, it's, if it's issues because I'm not teaching the word or I, I, I'm teaching it uh, not right, you know, I'm, I'm teaching wrong doctrine, that's a different kind of issue. But that still doesn't give you issue to sit around and, and, and complain about it. You can address it, and if, it's not, if it doesn't get addressed, then you can leave. And I don't mean that, I mean, this is your options, this is what you have to do. If you're in a place that's not, I'm not saying leave, I'm saying that if you're in a place where, you're, where, where you just don't think something's right, address the issue, and if it doesn't get addressed or you can't get peace on it, then you go somewhere where you can. But just make sure that the issue first isn't within you, amen? That it's actually an issue. You know, if I start saying something like, Jesus isn't the only way to heaven, you can take issue with that. And you can stand pretty firmly and say, listen, that's not right. That's wrong. That's anti-scriptural. You can't preach those kinds of things, right? Praise God. Hallelujah. And so you understand what I'm saying. But uh, when, when, we, when we eliminate strife, when we make a, a, conscience, a conscious effort to eliminate strife in any situation, 
we find the peace of God. Amen? And one of the things that we can do by faith is we can confidently end strife because we decide to and not because anything else is really is making it better. Amen? I've never found a place when I have chosen to end strife between my wife and I where I have not been blessed in the outcome of doing so. Even when the ending of the strife was just giving up my right to something. And I can tell you that my wife has always been blessed when it was up to her and she's, or when, it was, when she decided to end the strife. She's always blessed with the outcome. Amen? Amen. Why? Because each of us have that role as Christians, brothers and sisters. And if we practice that in the home, then we'll be better at it at church. If we practice it in church, we'll be better at it at home. And if we practice it with one another, with the people, the groups that we should love, then we go to the world, it's going to be a lot easier to do it out there as well. Amen? Praise God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 18, we're going to read through verse 30. Praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. So this is the first thing that we need to understand here. And this is something that we really need to learn to embrace. Yeah. We don't choose where God has placed us. He chooses. And if God chooses where we're to be placed, then we have to understand that his will usurps our will. If he's chosen, it doesn't really matter what we want. You know, I, I would love to have a voice like an angel. I would love to be able to carry a tune, but as it is, I couldn't carry a tune in a dump truck. Amen? I, I mean, I, I just can't do it. I, I, don't, I don't have that. I love to sing, but I'm not graced to sing. See, I don't have that gift, and so I don't try to force my way into, in, in, into utilizing that gift in my life. Why? Because it's obvious to me that I don't have that. It's obvious to those who are around me that I don't have that. Now, my wife and I, we do, we do, uh, we do most of our life in song. A lot of things we sing, we enjoy singing, and we do it. But we don't really even think about the fact that each other can't sing because we don't really care. We just sing. We just do our thing. Amen? But we're also not entering, uh, you know, America's Got Talent either. We're also not leading the worship, you know. If, if, if Mark doesn't sing and if somebody else doesn't step up, then we're not going to sing. That's just the way it's going to be. We can praise God for a little while, but we ain't going to have song because we're not gifted that way. God sees fit and he chooses. Amen? And we have to learn to be okay with that. That's why I tell people all the time, if you know where you're called to be, then being there is going to be a lot easier because you know that God places the pieces of the Bible. When you don't like someone, you say, well, God called me here and he called them there. Well, maybe if you don't like them that much, you say, Lord, I don't think they're supposed to be here, so you can move them out. <laughs> move them on, Lord. Praise the Lord. But really what will happen is God will probably change your heart on the, on, on the matter. Glory to God. But he places the members of the body. He decides who the prophets are. He decides who the apostles are. He decides who the pastors and teachers are. He decides who the evangelists are. We don't. Amen? Right. 
And you know, one of the problems that I've seen in the ministry gifts, meaning the, the, the office, the ministry offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, one of the, 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 the problems is, is a lot of times if it's a, you know, a prophet thinks that, that all the ministry offices should act like a prophet, evangelists think that all pastors should act like uh, evangelists, and pastors think all evangelists should act like pastors. But here's the truth. They, they can't because they're not gifted that way. God placed them in the body. He gifted them, and he, but he didn't give them the other gifts. And we have to understand sometimes the mistakes that we make are in, in not recognizing what other people are gifted in. Because when we don't recognize what other people are gifted in, we don't, we don't understand that, uh, that, that they have a part to bring and that part's needed, but that part isn't the full part. And so they also need our gifting. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Can you imagine just being a big toe? Right? I mean, it'd be odd. You might like big toes. If you like big toes, it might be exciting to you. But you know, a body that's just one big toe doesn't get anywhere, does it? Might kick footballs really good, but it's not going to do much other, you know, it's not going to, no, it's not because it doesn't have an ankle. It doesn't have a leg. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have anything else. The, the, the big toe brings a lot of balance to the body, right? Quite literally. But if the whole body were a big toe, that would be ridiculous. And so it's the same thing when God has, has seen us as parts, Fitted together, but separate. Amen? Amen? Or different, I should say, not separate. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But there are, now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So I always say to people that say, I don't need a church. Yes, you do. Why? Because you're not the whole body. You may think you are, but you're not. And so if you're not, the Bible says you're not. So if you think that you are and you're a Christian, what you're doing is you're arguing against the word and saying God doesn't know what he's talking about. You're saying the Apostle Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. Amen? Praise the Lord. And Jesus, you're saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. The eye cannot say to him, I have no need to you. Again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we uh, bestow more abundant honor. Actually, I saw one way of seeing this is it, it'd be clothed with more honor. So you can think about, like, I don't want you to think about this in church, but if you think about there's, there's certain parts of our bodies that we always cover up, yeah. or mostly always cover up, that's what it's talking about. You, 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 you cover it because, it's, it, it, it because of out of honor, Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, and, and that's actually a good metaphor because we can look at something and say, well, you know, this is lesser part of the body. Sure, it doesn't do as much as the heart does, but it's still a part of the body. And because it's a part of the body and because it's weaker in the sense that it's, it, it's maybe not as, you know, like, I, I don't know about you, like, uh, 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 but like there's parts of my body that if, if I have to hurt them, that's the part I want to hurt. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I would rather, um, you, you know, I, I think I would rather get, uh, I, I would rather get punched in my, uh, I would rather get punched in my thigh than I would kick my little toe against the edge of the bed. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I, if I had to choose, I don't want to choose either, but if I had to choose, I'd choose that, you know? And so there's parts of us that are, 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 are you know, it's like if they're going to give you a shot. I remember when I, I was in the hospital once and I had to keep getting a lot of shots. And it was like at one point, one part got, you know, one cheek got sore, so I gave him the other cheek kind of thing. I turned the other cheek, hallelujah. You know what I mean? Because it was like we had, but, you know, both, either cheek was still better than the, the tip of my pinky. Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't want, I don't know if you've ever gotten a shot in your finger, but it's awful. I've gotten shots in toes and stuff like that. It's the worst thing that you can possibly imagine. I would rather get it in a sore butt cheek than I would in a toe, you know. So uh, glory to God. But, that, you know, that's kind of the same idea. It's not that it's, you know, that, that, that the cheek is more important than the toe. Both are necessary. But some, are, you know, are going to need a little more protection. Some are going to need a little more care. And there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, that's a great metaphor for, the, for, for, for the, the, your, your, your home. Typically speaking, the wife needs more of a certain kind of care than the man does. But then we also know that men need a certain kind of care more than the women do. You know, we always, there's those jokes about when men are sick versus when women are sick, you know. Praise the Lord, when my wife's sick, I disappear. Well, I don't really disappear, but I, you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not real good at, at being nurturing and stuff like that. If I'm sick, she better be right there. You know what I mean? That's just the, the way that it is. You have to wait on me, you know, and, I, and you, you know how it is. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not, being, I'm not saying I completely disappear. You know, I'm not a, a terrible husband, I don't think, anyways, but uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. So we understand that it's, we, can, we can see that there, right? Um, Whereas our more presentable members have, have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body. I like one version of this that says no schism, and I don't know why I like that, uh, but the word is, yeah, schism. There's no, and that, that word division means schism. There's no, you know, schism means like, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know really how it means division, right? But I just like that word because it's like, you know, you're causing a schism here and it's not a good thing, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's wrecking it. It's just tearing it apart. I don't want to be schizzed. <laughs> Scuzzed. I don't know what it is. Schismed. I don't want to be divided. Amen. As a member of the body, I don't want to be divided against you. Yeah. You know, one of the things that a pastor desires the most is, is a lot the way a, a, a parent desires things for their family. I don't want to see division in my churches. Yeah. I don't want to see division between each other in the churches. I want to see each other helping each other out. Yeah. There's no greater joy, praise the Lord, than when people are fulfilling the plan of God for a pastor. When people are, are, are like really rooting for one another. When somebody sees one get honored, you know what I mean? Get honored, maybe they get put into something. And they root for them. They bless them. They get behind them. They say, you know what? We're going to stand here with you because this, we're all part of this body. And we're going to see this here. Actually, we're, not, we're not, not quite done. What verse was I in? 25. Uh, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members have, may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored... All the members rejoice with it. That's what God has intended for us. See, because when, as, as a local church, when, when somebody says, you know, when somebody says, you know, somebody over there at that family church, Corey, they really, they really did something good for me. Praise the Lord. 
You know what I mean? Or you go out and you do something good and, and, and for somebody else and you're like, you know, you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a member of this local church and, 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 you know, I've been taught the word and it's helped me and praise the Lord. It's brought me to where, you know, or it's been part of bringing me to where, you know, uh, where I'm at. You know, the, everybody is honored when that happens. Because then when someone says, hey, oh, you're part of that church. You know, there's good people do good things out of that church. You know what I mean? That's the body coming together and that's the way that it's supposed to look like. <laughs> Praise God, hallelujah. I can give you examples how it's not always that way. But we're not going to. Uh, now you're the body, uh, you're Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Are, uh, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? And when it's talking about here, it's talking about, you know, if you've listened to our Tuesday night service, this is the ministry gift of tongues. This isn't, uh, you know, like a personal prayer language or anything like that. Um, all do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? See, they put it, those two. When it's talking about the ministry gifts, it always talks about tongues and interpretation of tongues. Amen. And so, uh, you, you know, what, but the point that it's trying to draw is that not, not everybody's doing all of this all at once. Not everybody is gifted in the same areas. But there's some that are going to do this and some that are going to do that. And we have to understand that all of us do a part. That's why it's so sad when you have a local church and, you know, there's a, a common phrase out there in the church world that says 25% of the church does 100% of the work. And it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing that 25% of the church does 100% of the work. When was the last time you thought about your body, you know? Like if I, if I look down and I see that, uh, you know, I got a toenail that's extra long, what do I do? I want to clip it. I want to take care of it. Why? Because it can't clip itself. You know, if I, if, if, I, if I look down and I have a little snarf on the bottom of my foot, what do I want to do? I want to clean it up. Why? Because it can't clean itself. So I want to take care of it. The same thing is with the local body. The same thing is with your home. The same thing is no matter where we're at, if we're divided against one another, then, then we're not being very presentable. My wife and I, one of, we, we, we have, the, we, we have the, the nose check rule. We don't judge each other, but we do do this once in a while. And if we do this, we know, the other one knows what it means. Look in, and, and see how you can convince them that they have a booger in their nose. Right? That's what it means. But honestly, why do we do that? We don't, we don't look at each other as judge. We say, listen, I, I don't get offended if my wife says you got something in your nose. I want to get rid of it. Right? You got something in your teeth. I don't get offended by that, right? Actually, right, right, you did a perfect thing, Josh. You, I don't know if you, you noticed that during worship. I'm standing there worshiping God. I had no idea that I think my collar was turned up, right? All of a sudden, I feel somebody turning my collar. I had no idea it was until somebody was turning, turning it up. What is that? He's just looking out for the body. Yeah. It's like it, it would be ridiculous for pastor to get up there and look with, with his collar up, right? Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's why I check my zipper about 15 times every, before I minister. Why? Because, because this is what we're called to do. We're called to look out for one another. Amen? So you didn't even know I was preaching about this, did you? And see how, how that works together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I know I'm going over the time, but the, 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 the point is, is that we shouldn't be divided against where we have the same purpose, the same goal. And so whatever it is we're doing, let's see how that all fits together. Because when it all fits together, it's going to create and do wonderful things. God will bless us and he'll increase us even when we miss it. Praise the Lord. If our hearts are tied together, don't be divided against one another. Husbands and wives, don't be divided against one another. I've seen so many husbands and wives 
that God wants to do amazing things through, but they can't because they won't stop being divided. They're in competition against one another. My wife and I have seen this for years. Husbands and wives are in competition against what? That's stupid. That's, that's destructive. It's divisive. You, like, listen, if, you're, if your spouse does something better than you, embrace it. Embrace the fact that they do that. Knowing that uh, you do something better than they do. Amen? Praise the Lord.